Where am I? Now, don't worry. Everything's going to be just fine. That's not me. What the hell have you done to me? We did some work on you. Just your face. Thank you, nurse. You'd better have had a damn good reason. We did. You were ugly. Who's we? You've been recruited by an organization that doesn't exist. Sam Macon is dead, pal. Some nasty man shoved him in his police cruiser into the East River. Yeah, well, I'm a pretty healthy corpse. The operative word is corpse. You've got a new face, new fingerprints, even a new name. Williams. Remo Williams. A lot of thought went into it. Chris Scalzo here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss the latest Stephen King adaptation. Scratch that, the latest adaptation remake, Matt. The film sparking our interest this week is going to be... Don't roll your eyes at me. Firestarter. (laughs) We've long been supporters of remaking bad films. And John Lester's original is, I think, fair to say, Matt, far from a classic. So does this fire starter light us up? <laughs> and then, oh boy. Are we in for all kinds uh, of puns today? Fine. Fine, whatever. And then of course, uh Cage Fest continues with Vengeance, a love story. So that'll be fun. That's a good time. Um what else? I'm vamping right now. I hope everybody's enjoying this because my controls are all messed up and I cannot hear Matt in my headphones whatsoever. <laughs> Let's do this and give myself an echo so I can at least hear him. Good times. Cage first continues with vengeance, a love story. Nick Cage is a cop on the edge, Matt, who crosses the line when, you know, some some punks get off from doing something horrible. Sounds awesome. So is it? There's the rambunctious rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring our streaming and straight DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big show by sharing our five favorite Stephen King movie scares. Of course, Matt, I'm going to switch it up a little bit for myself. Haunted cars, rabid dogs, demonic clowns. Will the Dark Tower make the list? More like Dork Tower. Anyway, (laughs) let's start. I want to ease into, though, Firestarter. I think we got to give it, Matt, the, the opening... That, uh, that it deserves. Now, an NBC Network Television premiere. That's right, folks. It is the TV movie adaptation, at least that's how I interpret this, of Stephen King's novel. And let's let's try and have as much fun as we can, Matt. <laughs> of course. Firestarter. Firestarter. That's right. <laughs> We're going to be discussing Firestarter. Matt, let me ask you, what is Firestarter. all about? 
So, uh, Andy and Victoria, back when they were in college, they volunteered for a what they thought was a medical drug trial. What it turned out was a shady government agency was injecting them with chemicals, and it gave them crazy psychic powers. They ran away, they had a kid, and this kid has her own powers that are way more powerful than anybody else's, and she can... That's right. She's the fire starter, the twisted fire starter. Yes. And she is on the run with her dad from the shady government agency. Let me ask you, Max. So we've seen a few King films. We've seen some remakes. Now, I mm-hmm. haven't seen the Carrie remakes. Mm-hmm. I have not seen... There was another... Firestarter film too, wasn't there? I'm pretty sure there was. There, there is like a there was like a mini series sequel, which if you're so inclined, Peacock apparently has. If you want to watch it, okay. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen that either. So uh, where does this fall in the King adaptations? Is this better than the original? How can it not be? Right? Uh, somehow it's not. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that's possible because Firestarter with Drew Barrymore is not a classic, but. Uh, here's the thing. Films that are focused on child actors have a real uphill battle. And the the kind of child lead in this is not great. Um, they kind of danced around that with like the remake of Pet Cemetery, where they mm-hmm. change the evil ch- kid into the daughter instead of the son like it is in the books, because the son is yeah. like three years old. But I, I honestly... They do a lot to change the story, um, and for the worse somehow. Um, so you've read the original, the source. I read text, the book, yeah, back in, back in the uh, '80s when I was probably like 12 years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They change the story for the worse. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Nope. Um, the child lead is not great. The effects are pretty bad and unconvincing. I feel kind of bad for. I know it's just fire. I don't know, but uh, it is it is not very convincing looking. And um, I, honestly, I feel bad for Zac Efron because he's given it his all, and he's not terrible in this. But it's it's a tiny bright bright spot in a dark, dismal hole. I guess he is. I mean, part of the other issues I have with the film is that I the relationship between him and and Carrie, of course, the titular. I don't buy really into that at all there's no it's entirely devoid of any kind of realism or family i don't know i just don't buy any of this stuff and i will say it improves at least on one thing from the original film now, i want to say too matt i had never seen the original one all the way through i'd seen kind of bits and pieces okay. over the years but i'd never seen it now okay. i will point out that i own it on blu-ray oh, <laughs> and wow. i okay. never watched it it was on real really cheap on amazon so I picked it up like, well, I haven't seen it before, you know, and I like George C. Scott. So uh, let me pick it up. And yeah, somehow this is better. And I don't understand how that's even, even the special effects are mm-hmm. better in this mm-hmm. film from, what is it? 84, 1984. I was going to say 82, but I knew that was off. Yeah, I don't, but at least they improved and they actually made Rainbird like an indigenous actor. He's right. an indigenous Canadian. So instead it's of, not instead of instead of Patton. Yeah, exactly. And- so instead of General Patton <laughs> playing a Native American person for some reason, I guess. Uh, so at least they fixed that. But it's the weirdest thing about it is I think it actually starts off pretty strong. I think the mm. opening of it's pretty good, and it just then once we hit the road, it just entirely falls apart, and I don't right. understand how. And I think it's like 
first off, it's the first film's two hours. This is like just over 90 minutes. But it still feels like they're grasping for story and something to do with this film. And it just kind of unceremoniously ends. And the one thing about the first film, the original, is that Lester, Richard Lester, who, you know, fans of his work will know he did the, he came in and did Superman 2 after the whole Mm -hmm. debacle with Richard Donner. But anyway, his version of the film is the entire film is building up to like the last 20 minutes with this cataclysmic event at the uh, location where they're at at the shop. In this one, it's like, I don't know if they just didn't have any money at that point, but it just ends so unceremoniously and it's, it doesn't have half of the impact that the original did with, I'm sure less money and a much more limited special effects capability. And yet mm-hmm. it seems so much more superior to this film, what, 40 years later almost. I'll be curious. I want to know. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to look up and see what the budget for the 1982 Firestarter was. Okay, I'll tell you right now, the one for this one was 12. So clearly right. they weren't throwing a lot of money at this. But you know, it's Bloomhouse. It's a horror film. You can get away with cheap, going on the cheap on a budget for that kind of stuff. But the flame ignition effects in this film, too, are just atrocious, which I can't... You'd really think if you're going to knock, spend some money, you would do that because it's going to be such an integral part of the film and you're going to see it pretty often. But no, no. And it's just... I feel like the film is so woefully entertaining and scary that you could actually wrap yourself up in this movie and run into a burning building and be fine. It's that (laughs) strong a fire retardant. It is really just bad and i am really shocked there's only really one thing i think that i can mention outside of the recasting of the patent character like i'm referring to it as the patent character <laughs> but john carpenter comes in comes in and does a score for this yeah, and it's pretty dope. yeah it's pretty good but for me that's like the highlight of the film so were you able to track down that original og firestarter budget yeah so i'm just getting so um, they inexplicably cost the same amount of money. They spent $12 million in 1982, but in inflation adjusted dollars, that would have been as if one had spent almost $36 million on that. So maybe it's then not that surprising with the kind of disp- discrepancy in quality. Yeah, and I saw online, I don't know if this is true, that Efron said he had no idea he was playing a father in this film until about halfway through or something like that, which is just... That's weird. He hadn't read the script properly or at all, or I don't I don't or know. Or the book or the, the one before <laughs> it's had seen the film. Interesting. I don't know, man. It's just I, I'm happy they didn't pursue the superhero angle that they kind of toy with in the trailer, and there's a line mm-hmm. mention of it in here. Mm-hmm. I that's what I thought was like, oh, this is gonna be the new Bloomhouse MCU thing now. They're gonna take all these Stephen King characters and form like an Avengers type team <laughs> with all their abilities. And just what a nightmare that would be. They'll probably mm-hmm. a better film than this. Yeah. I mean, this is another one of those things where, you know, the scares, if you can call that that, are like, you know, what do you do if you give an impetuous kid unstoppable power? Um, but you know what? It's just not scary. She doesn't even seem like she's that angry of a kid. I no, mean, yeah. Other than setting cats on fire. Yeah, that's about that's, it. I, mean, I always hate when the animals go. I'm going to worry with cats more than I am dogs. But uh, it was still kind of rough to watch. Not cool. Not Poor cats, man. They don't get any love. No. Nor should they. So, (laughs) really not much to write home about here with the Firestar. Oh, damn it! Firestar time! Go go throw that work to pull that, and I'm not even using it Mm. properly. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Any other thoughts you want to say about Firestarter? Damn it, I did it again. That's right, just go. Well, I mean, it, you know, I would have to say Firestarter. Firestarter. <laughs> is, uh, I mean, they went for a twisted Firestarter and it's just, it's just, it's inert. It's yeah. inert. Um, I guess I'm going to have to give it, uh, God, what am I going to give it? Mm. I'm going to give it a D. A D. I'm writing this down. I, I, but I think we're going to. I, I'm trying to. We're gonna kind of get into this for our next film. I'm gonna try and decide. It's gonna be a tough choice to decide which one I enjoyed more of these of these two films that we've got. Yeah, I gave the. Um, <laughs> I gave it a D as well. <laughs> Outside of Carpenter, his score and maybe the opening 10, 15 minutes, but outside of that, I got I got nothing for you. Kurtwood Smith shows up, which you know, Clar- it's always nice to see Clarence Boddicker. Though I guess yeah. more of a '70s show reference for yeah. other people. That uh, right. watch that show, but still, no, no, no bueno, kids. Firestarter, uh, D's across the board, currently in theaters. You can also watch it on Peacock. So, you've been warned. We've got a chance to see. My problem is, my board is too far away from my hand. I have to lean, lean. We got to work on the ergonomics of your setup there. I do. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Here's the problem. I'm trying to record video of this too to put up on the YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. I have too many different things going on and we haven't done it long enough for me to be a professional at it like I am. The video component is messing me up. Gotcha. Fair enough. Dork Tower. All right, kids. Uh, we're going to go ahead and actually, you know what? I want to spend a couple minutes and talk about a film I saw because... I decided to go the, the Matt route and watch Firestarter at home, but I also have precious time. And I had the opportunity to use my theater time to go see something else. Mm-hmm. So I elected to go see Ajidwan's Happening, which is a French film set in the early 60s about a young woman named Anne. She's in, I guess, is it primary school? She's studying for her exams to get into university, as they, as they say. Okay. And she is... Firestarter. She's a fire... No, she is... She becomes... <laughs> she becomes pregnant. And... Now, this is France in the 60s when abortion is illegal. And she is desperate to figure out what to do. Now, this is based on a true story. And the director, Dewan, had read this. And the story had always resonated with her. So she wanted to make this film. Features her performance by Anna Maria and who was wonderful in this. I mean, she's absolutely riveting in this film. And the whole experience is just like that. So she shoots this mat in four by three which really kind of helped capture the claustrophobia of this and the isolation that she has when a lot Mm -hmm. of her friends and the people just don't want to deal with it or the doctors won't or anybody she talks to because you can go to jail just by helping somebody. So they have lots of these tight shots that you just feel strangled half the time, right? You're, You're stuck with her in this experience as she's trying to get an abortion because she doesn't want it to derail her life. And she's navigating through these obstacles, these judgmental people, the law, the, and then just having to make this this decision and but get it accomplished in a society that would jail her if they were found out. And it is quite an experience, Matt. It, it was, I don't know, it was one of the better films I've seen all year. Like I said, you're kind of captured in this film with her. There is no escape. And it is just a, a uh, entrancing experience. Really... Sad. There's a couple scenes too, Matt. One particular one where she tries to self-induce 
an abortion, mm-hmm. which is one of the more unsettling scenes I've seen in a very long time. And then one at some point when she's almost successful, when she finds a woman who does them for young mm-hmm. women, for people illegally. Uh, and it's just harrowing, absolutely harrowing. So just one of the better films I've seen all year. I'm going to give Happening an A. It is currently playing in limited release, but if you have an opportunity to see it, I can't recommend it enough. It is a French film, so you'll be have that, as they say, what is that inch-high uh, barrier that you'll have to get over. But still, one of the better films I've seen all year. Happening, check it out, please. A, from um, good old Uncle Chris. All right, thanks, Uncle Chris. You're welcome. If you've seen it, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's talk about another one of my favorite films of the year, but in a very different vein, getting its big physical media release this week. I don't think I'm going to wait. I know I can stream it right now, but I think I need to get this UHD set and pop it in my TV and then check it out. I think I have to. I told you I'd see you in hell. What do you want from me? Want? Oh, if only you knew how long I've been waiting for this day. For this moment. I've been invisible my whole life. I guess I won't be anymore, will I? They'll remember me now. They'll remember both of us. I think one of the most interesting scenes in that entire film, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Reeves' is The Batman gets his physical media release this upcoming Tuesday, May 24th. Walmart has a gift set that is like a special edition box as well as a print from the film. And it says it's only Blu-ray, but then I also see listings for a UHD, but not on Walmart itself, just on other websites that say it's coming out. Target has an exclusive bonus feature in cover, but only with the Blu-ray, not the UHD, which, all right. And then Best Buy has a steelbook for the UHD, which looks pretty good. And if I was a steelbook guy, I may jump in on that, but I'm I'm, I'm not. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, So there's a bunch of making of featurettes, deleted scenes with the director's commentary as well. I don't see an actual commentary, though, for the film by Reeves, which is a bit of a disappointment for me, but still. I will be uh, getting the Batman. I'm assuming that'll be a buy for you at some point, Matt. Yeah, it'll be a buy for me. I think what'll end up happening is Chris will pull the trigger on this. And then like six months from now, they'll release some super special edition. And he's going to talk about how he's going to have to buy that one. Yeah. The Matt Reeves director's cut. They put the Joker scene back in and whatever stuff that they have Mm -hmm. cut out as well. Mm -hmm. Probably. Probably will. Also coming out is uh, Ty West's X. Includes a featurette called The X Factor, as well as The Farmer's Daughters, an extended scene. Uh, which funny is, there is a show I'm watching right now with Mrs. First Run on the Netflix called Virgin River, which is kind of a superior Hallmark show. 
and okay. it's very much a kind of a, a romantic drama in it. But the guy who plays the director in X yeah. plays the wholesome love interest bar owner in Virgin River. Oh, and it is, nice. I'm watching him like for the like other weeks, I'm like, why do I know this guy? Why do I know this guy? <laughs> and then I was doing the notes for the show and I was like, son of a gun, that's who it is. There so you don't want to talk about range. Let me tell you, folks. Also getting a physical media release is Studio 666, a gag reels included on that. That, is, of course, is the um, the film featuring the Foo Fighters, the horror movie we did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Just for the Foos, I guess, right? Yeah. There you go. That's... Watch Taylor Hawkins' last acting performance. Yeah, I guess so. Are you going to pick up X? I feel like I will at, uh... at a certain price point. Yeah, I think if it gets sent, if it gets cheap enough, I'll pick it up. But I, there's no rush. No, and no UHD release announced yet either. Just Blu-ray for X, which I think is a disappointment. And I feel burned now because there's a UHD coming out. We'll talk about it at the end of this segment. That just infuriates me. Uh, also being released is Uma, starring Sandra Oh. This is a horror film. Amanda and her daughter are living in a quiet life in an American farm, but when the remains of her estranged mother arrive from Korea. Amanda becomes haunted by the fear of turning into her own mother. I heard it's actually supposed to be pretty good. Uh, the Burning Sea, an oil platform, dramatically goes down on the Norwegian coast, and researchers try to find out what happened when they realize this is just the start of something even more serious. The Agent Game, featuring... Wow, so happy he still gets work. Good for him. <laughs> Mel Gibson, Dermot Mulroney, Reese Coro, Katie Cassidy, and Jason Isaacs. A CIA officer finds himself the target of a rendition operation after being scapegoated for the death of an interrogation subject. It includes a commentary by the director. The uh, Ray Donovan, the movie, is being released. Matt, you, you're a middle-aged white guy. Have you watched any of the Ray Donovans? I haven't. I, I It's not really still in my wheelhouse. Yeah, not in that same here. Is it a Showtime Cinemax thing? It's one of those, right? It's one of those. I think it's I think it's Showtime. I'm pretty sure it's Showtime. Yeah, I think I'm obligated to watch it at some point. But Justified is coming back, <laughs> which I think is a, we are legally required to watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beatles in India, a unique historical chronicle of the enduring love affair between the Beatles and India. They started more than a half century ago. Includes rare archival footage, photographs, and eyewitnesses' accounts, with a, along with location shoots across India. Being, bring alive the fascinating journey of George, John, Paul, and Ringo. Uh, the lads from Liverpool, as I think they are known. I don't know, Matt. If you're, are you a Beatles fan? I've always been more of a Stones guy than a Beatles guy. Yeah, I think uh, I'm more of, I've been more of a Beatles fan than a Stones guy. And I, I like the Beatles. Not as much as I used to, but they're still a good band. Cool. Uh, Ted K, an exploration <laughs> of Ted Kaczynski's life in Lincoln, Montana, and the years leading up to his arrest as... The Unabomber. Kaczynski's actually played by Charlton Copley, which makes me almost want to watch it because I always enjoy his work. I recently picked up uh, Free Fire on uh, iTunes because it was like four bucks. And I remember at least enjoying it a little bit. So I started re-watching that film. And it was actually it's pretty good. And Copley, like I said, Copley's always great. I don't know why. I, I yeah. liked him everything I've seen him do. Some uh, DC stuff, Matt. Doom Patrol Season 3, Titans Season 3, and then T-Titans Go and DC Superhero Girls Mayhem in the Multiverse. I still, man, I haven't watched watched any Doom Patrol. I got like four episodes in on Titans, and I have abandoned it again. You know, like, I can't... I can't speak to Titans. I don't know how good it is because I haven't watched a single episode. It doesn't look very good. But Doom Patrol has its charms. I, I have watched the first two seasons, and I'm about halfway through the third. New to Blu-ray, Mississippi, Marcella, being released by Criterion. This is the film featuring Denzel and Sharita Chudhari. 
Uh, after Mina's Indian family is ousted from their home in Uganda by director Idi Amin. Didn't you say you used to like that guy? Anyway, they relocate to Mississippi to start a new life. Mina falls for Demetrius, a young carpet cleaner, despite the protestations of their families over their racial difference. Brand new 4K restoration that's supervised by the director, Mira Nair. Uh, new audio commentary featuring Nair, new conversations, interviews as well. Scorpion is releasing Jude. This is Michael Winterbottom's film featuring Christopher Eccleston and Kate Winslet. Includes an audio commentary. Arrow is putting out One-Armed Boxer. Uh, written, directed, and starring Jimmy Wang Yu. A brand new 2K restoration of that film, Matt. Kino Lorber is putting out Times Square from 1980. This is Rich Girl Pammy. is a sheltered daughter of a prominent politician. Wild Child Nikki is a tough runaway. Together, they the two teens escape from a psychiatric hospital with the help of radio DJ Johnny LaGuardia. Played by, of course, the timeless Tim Curry. Brand new 4K restoration on that one. The brand new audio commentary is included. Kino's also putting out the Rodgers and Hammerstein film, The Flower Drum Song, with a brand new 2K restoration and some uh, new featurettes. Indicator Powerhouse is putting out the Pamini organization with a brand new 2K restoration. It's an independent British film production company, Matt, that put out movies between 72 and 74 and includes The Hunted, Assassin, and Moments. And they're restored from their only surviving film elements. And there's some um, deleted scenes included in some uh, behind-the-scenes featurettes on the films and the studio itself, as well as a limited-edition exclusive 80-page book. RoboCop the series is getting a newly remastered Blu-ray release. I have never seen a single episode of RoboCop the series. Have you? I didn't even know there was a, a RoboCop series. I remember the cartoon, but I didn't know there was a TV series. Yeah, I haven't seen uh, Part 3 either. I never watched mm. Part 3, which is supposed to be atrocious. So, well, no, Peter Weller. No, yeah, exactly. And you know what, too? It's funny. You and I tweeted a little bit about this, or we texted, I should say. No, we tweeted about it. I apologize. Uh, I was watching episodes of The Hitchhiker on YouTube, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Paige Fletcher, who plays The Hitchhiker, he's he's our, our narrator. He actually played Robocop in the series. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. Funny how that all comes together. Um, coming out from Arrow, this is kind of our transition to UHD because they're putting out a Blu-ray and a UHD mat. The seminal 90s noir thriller Wild Things, getting a brand new 4K mm. restoration. Uh, includes the original theatrical version and the unrated edition. New audio commentary, new interviews, uh, and more. Also includes a double-sided fold-out poster, six double-sided poster card size lobby card reproductions, a reversible sleeve featuring new artwork as well as the original and I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, Wild Things is not good. It's more just we have like a a memory of, you know, because 90s was kind of the last gasp of those kind of erotic kind of thrillers right. that seemed to have died out almost completely. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't remember it being any good at, at all. What are your memories of Wild Things? I mean, Matt Dillon, Denise Richards, Nev Campbell. Kevin yeah, Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Uh, so these are the things I remember about Wild Things. I remember correctly that I didn't understand what the uh, fuss was about because I didn't think it was very good either. I think this thing really lives in infamy for two reasons. Th- these are the things I remember. The Obviously, the pool scene with Nev Campbell and Denise Richards that leads to a threesome with Matt Dillon and also the unexpected shot of Kevin Bacon's hog while he's in the shower. That's what I remember about Wild Things. Yeah, so there you go. Well, now you can pick it up in UHD. I know you're really, really excited about that. <laughs> I also, too, erotic thrillers, Matt. So there's been a big thing on Twitter for like, what, a year or two now? It seems to, it seems to blow up every couple months about how there's 
not enough sex or if there is sex in the movie it shouldn't be in there to begin with because it doesn't serve any mm-hmm. purpose it's a whole big mm-hmm. debate well audrey Dewan, who just did the film i've talked about um happening yeah is remaking the emmanuel films well there's gonna make some do one at least with leah sado mm-hmm. and uh look out folks chris is Chris is going to be there day one. <laughs> Look out. All right. UHD releases, Matt. These are all films getting their 4K release for the first time. Uh, independently from a box set, The Sum of All Fears and Patriot Games are getting their UHD releases. These are the Jack Ryan films. Two, well, one's good. The other one's not so much. I'll let you decide which is which. The uh, Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence really creepy movie Passengers is right. being released in UHD. The original Candyman getting an OG, the OG release, getting a UHD, as well as Life Force, which is uh, Toby Hooper's mm. Space Vampires movie, which is a yeah. film I really enjoy. Um, I will not be upgrading to UHD. I do not need a UHD of Life Force. <laughs> and then, of course, one, Matt, that really infuriates me. And here's, it's a, it's a catch-22, because I think they only announced this in UHD because the Blu-ray sold so well, as well okay. as the fact that it had a lot of online buzz, the movie did. And it won okay. best, I think, feature horror film at this year's Shutter Chainsaw Awards, which was just this past weekend. And that is Malignant, a film I bought on Blu-ray. Yeah. And now I am very upset that they yep. announced about three weeks ago or so that it's coming out in UHD. So now I don't know what to do. Do I wait and not buy stuff like this on the off chance it comes out in UHD down the road? But then if people yeah. like me don't buy it, then it's not going to look like a, a success so they're not going to make a UHD. So what do I do? Right. Yeah, so I can tell you what I do. Um, I almost never buy the Blu-ray because I much would prefer to have the UHD. So, like, there's films that I really like that I either miss the boat on and you can't get the UHD anymore. Like, um, uh, Fidi Alvarez's uh, remake of The Evil Dead. I would like to have that film, but I would only want it in UHD. I don't want to buy the Blu-ray. And yep. it's not there. So, I'm just not going to buy it. Um yeah, that's just that's 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 me. I wouldn't buy them if they're not UHD. Because I mean, otherwise you can track down a streaming version, and if I can't have the best version for my physical copy, I'm fine with the streaming streaming version. Fair enough. Yeah, I bought. Oh, I was so upset about that with the uh, Alvarez's Evil Dead. So I bought it on Blu-ray, which included a digital copy. But mm-hmm. it was back when this is the old, not any movies anywhere. What's the old Ultraviolet? And yeah, it, yeah. it was an ultraviolet digital copy, which did not connect with my iTunes at the time. Mm-hmm. So then they released the unrated director's cut of Alvarez's Evil Dead, which I really enjoy. So then I'm like, oh, well, now I'm going to have to buy the Blu-ray again. So I right. bought that Blu-ray to get the director's cut. And then like a week later, Movies Anywhere comes out, iTunes, everything merges. And then boom, looks what shows up in my iTunes account, the unrated director's cut. <laughs> of the evil of evil dead <sighs> so the the moral here folks is that if you are looking for a movie in uhd you need to send chris a thank you note because he's the one driving up the sales yeah. in order for these things to happen that's exactly right that's exactly right matt you're straight to dvd pick of the week i'm gonna go with feeders three i didn't know there's a feeders one or two 23 years after having passed since the last feeding matt now they've returned to earth for the final meal a group of UFO researchers and some local townspeople must fight back before the aliens' master plan for the planet is set into motion. The long-awaited 
I guess for some people, sequel to the Polonia Brothers Smash Feeders series. But outside of Feeders 3, Matt, what should I be streaming this week? So I kind of forgot to look this up, but I was walking by my TV and I saw, <laughs> oh, look what's available. Clash of the Titans from 1981. One of the last great stop motion films of Harry Her- Her- Ray Harryhausen. Thank you. I'll get there eventually. Nice. Starring Harry Hamlin and Burgess Meredith and a bunch of other people that I don't know did anything else after that. I really enjoyed it. Was a, When I was a kid, I used to get this from the Simsbury Library all the time. It's a lot of fun for a kind of cheesy, stop-motion, terrible uh, Greek mythology adventure. Good times. Good times. Maybe they made a TV show out of The Lincoln Lawyer. It's on Netflix now. I love that movie, but I don't know if that show is going to be any good. And there's an Operation Mincemeat I want to check out. That's actually supposed to be pretty good. That's on the Netflixies as well. Good times. Good. All right, Matt. Let's go ahead and keep rolling. Let's continue. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> it's funny how I forget what we're about to talk to, and then I see my notes. I'm like, oh, that's right. Vengeance. A love story. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. Great, grand. I'm a vampire! 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 But don't you see? That's what she was there for. That was the plan give you a boner <laughs> and you got one congratulations you're human what do you say we cut the chit chat a-hole oh, what is that what is that what is it oh no not the bees not the bees ah! oh, no, my eyes! My eyes! Ah! how could somebody misfile something what could be easier it's all alphabetical you just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z! Huh? That's all you have to do! Very good. You know your alphabet. I never misfiled anything! Not once, not one time! I'd like to take his, his face off. <clears throat> How, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? Am I getting through to you? Over! What are you going to do for me? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. Wake up, son. I'll be taking these huggies and, uh, Whatever cash you got. You're in my shirt! You're in my shirt! I'm Nick fucking! Alright, Matt. So, Vengeance, a love story. So, Nick Cage plays a policeman. He's investigating this uh, single mom's rape. She's at a party. She's a little pop. She's on her way home, and she runs afoul of some guys who she went to high school with, I think, or something. And mm-hmm. they rape her, and her daughter like hides and watches the whole thing. And then the kid, the guys are arrested, but they're let go because of a weird hearing. It's not even the trial. It's the hearing. It's a pre-trial hearing, yeah. Pre-trial, pre-trial hearing. hearing. And Don Johnson plays the slimy lawyer, Jay Kirkpatrick. And so they're not even let off in that. It's just a hearing. But that's a, that's that's a step too far for Nick Cage. 
So then he starts picking these guys off one at a time. He's mm-hmm. he, he's snapped because he met this young woman at a bar previously. Maybe they had a little minute of a connection. And then um, Cage takes his, his vengeance on behalf of her and her kid. And that's, I guess, it. That's what it's about. So, Matt, first off, props to Peacock for showing me the unedited film straight through after I had to wait for about four or five minutes of commercials. But no commercials pop up during the entire film. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, Peacock. And I think that's all I have for positive comments. Matt, what are your thoughts on Vin <laughs> Yeah, so this is kind of the same situation that we had with um, Kill Chain, whereas cage is not really in this he's in it for like the first couple minutes and then he disappears for the bulk of the film and then he kind of comes back pretty wooden in this i think this may be his worst performance we've seen of this uh of this oh, hands run. Down. yeah i was like hey who's who's playing tina that's the she's was from uh, cabin in the woods she's the blonde from cabin in the woods so that oh, was anna hutchinson i didn't yeah i didn't put that together yeah that's who that is and uh the little girl her daughter who bethel uh that is the girl from annabelle creation so there oh, we go look at you. I, I, yeah i had to notice i was like i know both of those where are they from otherwise yeah cage is kind of phoning it in he's incredibly wooden all of the bad guys are like the silent film villains they're kind of wringing their hands if they had mustaches they would be twirling them kind of thing um it's awful like and it's like I don't even know what John Johnson's supposed to be doing in this. Like, they're showing that he's the evil of the court system. But then at the end, he's like, yeah, but everybody's entitled to a defense. And he gets on his Harley and rides away. And they kind of like, it seem like they were- <laughs> I cannot tell you how hard I laughed at that when he gets on his Harley and then drives off. It was so just ridiculous. That- was he in Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? Is that, yes, is this how the, is that who he's supposed believe, to be? Yeah. Is that who oh, he's wow. supposed to be? Oh, wow, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he's supposed to be Harley Davidson way in the future. <laughs> it's, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that that made me laugh out loud. There are a couple of things in here which I found fascinating. So, first off, this was originally supposed to feature Sam Jackson, Diane Weist, and, and Abigail Breslin back in like 2009. But it didn't ever okay. come together. And at one point, Cage was supposed to direct. But okay. then he, he backed out of that. And instead, we get this film by Johnny Martin, who... Did the Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is a film that mm. I think is a little overpraised, it and is. he did the really atrocious Al Pacino film Hangman. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really kind of in a bad place, depressed, and had nothing to do, so I watched that one night, and that that almost put me over the edge. And <laughs> but the thing that blew my mind is that this is based on a book by Joyce Carol Oates called Rape: A Love Story. Okay, Joyce Carol wow. Oates. Yeah, she got some and dark work, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, I I, just, I did not expect that. I'm wondering if she's thinking, oh, wow, my film's being optioned. And my book's going to be an option to a film. It's going to start Nick Cage of Leaving Las Vegas. Nick Cage. And then you watch, and then you go to the theater and you watch this. And you must be like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I agree with you about Cage, too. This whole film, there isn't an ounce of authenticity in it. Out of all the films we've watched as part of this marathon and stuff we've watched outside of it with mm-hmm. Nick Cage that um, he always really seemed to me to be a hundred percent invested in what he was doing. Right. I did not get that this time. No, I felt like he was sleepwalking through this whole thing. I don't know if this thing where he'd, he'd signed in and then went on vacation, just forgot and had to come back and make the movie or something. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's, I don't know. And I love too, that 
there's so many weird things in this movie. Like in that big court scene, the judge in the movie is just a complete jackass. He's either right. totally in with the bad guys or he's just, I don't know, an ass. And I don't know. I think the film is trying to relay this. Me- I got this weird kind of conservative, dirty, hairy, you have to take the law in your own hands message out of this movie. Okay. And right. almost like, but I don't know what a term for strong, a stronger term than heavy handed, like 1000 metric ton handed. I mean, the film, <laughs> there isn't, there's no subtlety in this movie whatsoever. And that jury, not jury, but that court scene really is the perfect distillation of everything that's wrong with this movie. And at one mm. point too, the, the jury reactions to Don Johnson's stuff or like when he gets up and starts talking, they're like, oh, no. And they're like laughing. You know, there's all these really over-the-top exaggerations while they're like just totally like mouse, you know, in a church quiet for the yeah. other stuff. And at one point too, what is it? Is it the the prosecutor says something like the jurists want to vote not guilty? It's a generous Christian thing to do. Yeah. She, that's an uh, actual line that was uttered in this movie. This movie, Matt, takes subtlety and it burns it, it buries it, it snorts it, poops it out, burns it again, launches it into the sun, goes into a rocket to rescue it from orbit, captures it, releases it into the Earth's orbit, blots out the sun, and we all die. That's how subtle this film is. And mm-hmm. it was just really just bad. I got We got the stinger for the show this week out of this movie. That's how bad it is, folks. And um, I don't know. Also, too, the, the relationship between Cage and this woman and the kid is tenuous at best. And they right. try and have this scene at the end, you know, when he's walking out to his car and they're at the other side of the fence. And it's just so bad. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is the movie just kind of ends. Like, I lost track of how many bad guys there were, I guess. And yeah. I'll, I'll admit it. When he, like, when he encounters the first guy and just shoots him in the head. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this could be some nihilistic shit. I'm all in. Let's see how this goes. But then it's, it, it oddly just kind of ends. The whole thing is very anticlimactic. And I don't, there's no like grand, I don't know, result of the film. It doesn't really come to some big of conclusion. It just kind of just ends. Right. I don't know. It's just bad, man. It's just bad. I don't know. I threw it a lot at you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, like Kill Chain. At least Kill Chain had the <clears throat> climactic gun battle, but it's the same thing. It just kind of comes to an end. It just it's like they ran out of money, and it's like, oh, okay, well, we got our ninety minutes. Let's let's wrap it up, boys. Um, yeah, this is not good, um, which is unfortunate for the penultimate uh, episode of Cage Fest. But I, the only place we can go is up. maybe there's there's that i mean at least we're not closing out with uh nick cage's uh version of uh uh, left behind which i hear is absolutely atrocious it's even Mm. worse than the Kurt cameron one which i don't know how it's possible um yeah it's not bad it's it's not good it's not good yeah we're doing jujitsu right right we are so i'm gonna talk about the marathon awards because i don't want to throw in the unbearable weight of massive talent. I feel like it should be focused on the directed DVD stuff he's done, mm-hmm. which then we're just working off of four films, which I think is fine. I don't know if I want to subject myself to any more. Matt, I'm gonna even vengeance a love story at D. Uh, yeah. So that's what I. This was the hard part for me. Like, which of these two films that I that we watched this week that I like less? Um, when I was watching Firestarter, it was probably Firestarter, but Firestarter. <laughs> when we. <laughs> 
<laughs> when we, uh, as we talk about it now, I think I hate this more, so I'm going to give it a D minus. There you go. Ooh, D minus. All right. All right. I like that. Good times, folks. If you had a chance to see Vengeance of Love Story, also, I believe, streaming on Peacock right now. Uh, mm, it it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's go ahead. Let's wrap up the big show and talk about our five favorite Stephen King scares. And let's start everything off with a one that didn't quite make the cut for me, Matt. Didn't quite make it. Matt, I want my cake from Creepshow. <laughs> Good times. All right, Matt. So for me, the Stephen King, it's not so much too for me, just the scares. I'm talking like jump scares, but just the sense of horror and yeah. dread, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of how I, I, I went with this list. So I'll start everything okay. off because you went first last week. My okay. number five is probably my biggest cliche out of the list, and that's going to be the uh, hand popping out of the brave at the end of grave, excuse me, at the end of Carrie. Yeah. Um, Brian De Palma's. Um, King adaptation, one of the best Stephen King films that has been made. I'd probably put it two, number two. Um, yeah, it's up there, maybe three. St- yeah, okay. Uh, but it is intense. It is scary. That whole film is great. When she finally snaps, when the pig's blood is dropped, too, is I think a strong contender. But um, in the end, I just went with the hand popping out of the uh, gray for my number five. Uh, my number five is also from Carrie. Now it's not a part that you would think of, but it's the very opening of the scene of the uh, of the film where Carrie gets her period and she doesn't know that she's about to get it and she mm. freaks out because she has no idea what's going on and just how awful all of her classmates are to her. Just give I'm obviously I've never had that situation, but it just really drives home how brutal high school can be for somebody who's that much of an outcast, and it's. Uh, kind of a thing that could actually happen and it's that's why it's it always sets the tone for that film and really kind of uh let you know what you're in for excellent now that is a great pick man i love that one uh my number four then is going to be the dead zone maybe this would be your number two and in the adaptations yes i love the dead zone i have not watched that film in probably 25 years another another blu-ray that i bought (laughs) that i have yet to (laughs) pop in my player but yeah, Chris Walken uh, in the dead zone. And it's the scene where he has his Martin Sheen vision, where Sheen is going to go ahead and launch the nuclear weapons to destroy the world. And it is so terrifying. I think if you factor in the current state of the politics in this country, it becomes that yeah. much more possible. And yeah. it is just very, very disturbing for me. So um, that's my four is uh, the dead zone. This is Martin Sheen, the vision with uh, Sheen and the weapons man dead zone's so good and that's such like a cronenberg film you just do not expect to see coming you know um all right so my number four then is the from it volume one it's the opening scene where georgie encounters pennywise in the sewer Mm. maybe one of the only effective scenes that are really creepy in the in the entirety of that film of those sets of films but man they did it right and in that and Compared to what you had with the Tim Curry one, it is just way, way more scary. Um, even though I knew it was coming, 
I was shocked how graphic it was and how just kind of tense the whole scene was. Yeah, I think the stuff with kids is always a little more intense for sure. Yeah. And that's why my number three is the murder of uh, Trombley there in Dr. Sleep mm. uh, by the hat there. That scene is intense as all hell. And it gets it, it goes much farther than I anticipated it was going to go. Yeah. And it's really unsettling. So, yeah, the murder of Jacob Trombley in that film is intense. So that's Mike Flanagan's sequel to The Shining. Very, very good. I have not watched the uh, unrated director's cut yet. Uh, I still need to get around to that, but I hear it is superior even to Dr. Sleep, which is a film that I rather enjoyed. But his, but her taking him out in that is really unsettling stuff. So it's my number three. Yeah, honorable mention for me with Dr. Sleep, but uh, mine was the initial scene with the hat where she kind of lures the little girl away from her family and uh, they kind of devour her. A lot less graphic, but you... You can tell what's coming, and uh, it's pretty pretty intense. Rose the um, hat. I knew because in my head it was. I was going to say Sarah, but I knew that was wrong because it's Sarah uh, Ferguson, right? So it was yeah, all yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. See, I was even yeah. doubly wrong. Good times. <laughs> Sarah Ferguson is the redheaded uh, Duchess of York or something. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I'm a big uh, fan of the Royals. That's probably yeah, why that was go. in my head. Um, <laughs> all right, so. My number three is the scene that really made me squirm. It was something I was not prepared for, but it's when uh, James Conn gets his shit rocked um, in Misery, where uh, Annie is not happy with him, played by Kathy Bates, and she puts a um, railroad tie in between his, his legs while he's unable to move and hits them with a sledgehammer. And you see a very quick turn where his... It goes like this. It just turns at a right angle. And it was absolutely disgusting. Um, that was one that sat with me for a long time. Yeah, I have never seen Misery. So that's why I couldn't. That would be my number four King adaption. That one's really Ooh. good. No, I think Stand By Me would be four. Maybe Shot. Okay, six. <laughs> <laughs> my number two then is. Hmm. One of the most nihilistic films I've ever seen, particularly, and it's the ending of this film, and that is Darabont's The Mist. Uh, really, I think at times very terrifying. So what's happened, the, the military has opened up a portal, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to hell or some alternate dimension, and all these monsters and beasts have uh, escaped from it to uh, come down on this town. And it's this mist that permeates the entire town, and... They're trying, Thomas Jane and his family, his son, they're trying to get away and they think they finally, they're, it's, it's the end, Matt. It's the end. They're not mm-hmm. going to make it. The monsters are coming. They're out of gas. There's nothing they can do. So Thomas Jane shoots his kid and is about to shoot himself. And the mist clears and the military is there and they've saved the day. Yeah. And it is one of the biggest gut punches, I think, of the past 30, 40 years in cinema. It yeah. is really devastating stuff. So, I mean, that's horror right there. And that's my yeah. number two. Yeah, that would have made my list. I, I had it on my list. It was my number two, but I decided to pull it off because that was Frank Darabont Sunday. That is not the ending to the story of the mist. Oh um, no. What, how is it different in the, in the, in the story? They make it away. So they ah. basically, um, they are heading to Connecticut of all places. They're heading South. They're about to hit Hartford, but the mist just keeps going on, but they've managed to survive so far and they're just going to keep going until they hopefully get away. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So my number two then is um, from a terrible TV movie. 
It's not good. I don't understand why anybody would like it. But this one scene is incredibly effective. Um, so young boy, people are starting to disappear in his town. And he one of his classmates is murdered and he disappears. And then surprisingly enough, he wakes up one night and his friend is floating outside his window asking to be let mm. in um, because he's a vampire. Um, so that's the, the Salem's Lot scene where there's a, it's a really an iconic scene from that show um, where he is, a vampire is floating outside waiting to be invited in and trying to talk his way into his friend's uh, house. Um, I'm interested to see what the new version of that um, is going to look like. I'm cautiously optimistic because I think Salem's Lot is one of King's better books. Yeah, that's. Now he made a. I'm reading right now Night Shift, and that's mm-hmm. like a short story. And he's, he does expand upon it and turn it into a book at some point, right? Yeah. Or, so, or it's there Jerusalem's is a story. lot is the short yeah. story, right? Yeah, and like that's supposed to be, I think, in the same place, but like way in the past, kind of thing. So they're related, yeah. but it's not the same thing. Um, this is, uh, yeah, it's about a vampire that shows up and takes over the town. Right. No, that is a great one too. That's an honorable mention for me as the kid floating outside of the window. Uh, my number one, then I think it's just probably the whole film and that's the shining. Mm. Um, but if I had to choose one, I guess maybe the jump scare of, uh, Jack taking the ax to, to O'Halloran when he's walking mm. down the hallway. <laughs> that's a good one. But also just the opening of the film with the helicopter yeah. shot by Kubrick as the, as the car is winding up and Wendy Carlos's score with the, shrieking or the vocal stuff done by the company the music that is just it's so unsettling and it instantly sets a template for the film you're about to watch and yeah but it the shining is one of the most disturbing things because it's just it just sets you off balance like mentally while you're watching the whole thing you're mm-hmm. on edge and un and insecure the entire time it is really an incredible achievement, I think, in filmmaking, The Shining. So, but if I had to choose something, I don't know if it would be the jump thing or if it would be the just the opening shot when he sets everything up and just basically says, "You're you're about to go on a ride." Uh, but yeah, that's my one. Yeah, my number one is The Shining too, and there are so many moments that you could pick. But I went with um, Room Two Thirty Seven. Um, it's kind of this room that they've avoided. Um, there's something in there that is really scaring Danny, and Jack decides to go in there, finds a naked lady that uh, turns into a waterlogged zombie monster that tries that chases him out of the room. It is a disturbing little bit of uh, switcheroo. But uh, if I had to go with the number two, it'd probably be the twins because twin mm-hmm. little kids are just creepy. There you go. Good times. Any honorable mentions, Matt, that we didn't mention? So also in It, I thought it was just a really cool scene, the way it was shot, and I thought it was creepy, is in the second one, where he lures the the girl under the under the bleachers, and he's kind of hidden in shadow with the light in his hand. I thought that was really cool. Christine, John Carpenter's Christine, where he chases down the guy, and he thinks he's safe in the narrow alleyway, and the, and the car pushes his way through and Carpenter really dwells on that as it crushes him against the, the, uh, the wall in a brutal slow death. And then in uh, creep show two, the thing with the blob in the, uh, in the lake, the raft kids swim out there, the raft. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I thought that was pretty good. And that's, that's also based on a King short story. And yeah, I I think that whole thing, especially with him trying to swim away at the end is, is pretty creepy. 
Yeah, the raft is probably the best thing about part two. Yeah. Is is the birthday cake? Is that Romero or is that King? I, uh, it's not based on a on a story of his. So if it's King, then that I'm aware of. So he might have just written it fresh for the for the story. It could, but it could be Romero's. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember who wrote that part. So the opening equip for this may have not even apply. Who knows? Mm, maybe. So I would also throw in the cockroach coming out of the mouth of E.G. Marshall from Creepshow. Bugs yeah. always freak me out. Yeah. And uh, Cujo jumping into the car yeah, um, is a, a great one. And then the degloving scene from Gerald's Game, which is on Netflix, oh, is cool. not Gross. cool, bro. Not cool. <laughs> What's your favorite unsettling Stephen King moment? Your scare, whatever the case may be. It's just an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Coming up next week, Matt, Alex Garland returns. What will mm-hmm. we be seeing? We'll be seeing Men. Uh, don't know much about it. I do know it's a horror film. I do know it's uh, starring or was made by Alex Garland, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the fact that I'm also going in pretty blind, so I don't know what to expect. Yeah, I know a little what... bit about it, unfortunately, um, but we'll see. Some reviews have been really good. Some kind of tepid. We'll have to okay. check it out. And then we wrap up Cage Fest with Jiu-Jitsu, which is uh, Cage and Tony Ja. And we'll have our Nick Cage or our Cage Fest Marathon Awards as well. We'll have to work those out. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, best perfor- best performance probably would end up... Well, I guess it would be best Cage performance. Yeah. And then we got to do what? Best supporting, best... I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to work out the details Figure on that. that. Out. I guess, though, I'm, I'm nervous that we're going to get another thing like we did where he's only tangentially in this and that it's going to be a lot of Tony Jaw and very little Nick Cage. Yeah. Well, if I had to choose one, I guess I'd go with more jaw than I would some of the other stuff we've had. So <laughs> I guess it won't be totally horrible. In the meantime, uh, check us out. You can go to thefirstrun.com, uh, archives of the old shows, the report cards, and more. And then Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess uh, that's going to be it this week. So go ahead, take care of yourselves. Uh, We love you very much, and we'll see you soon. Take care. Yeah, I just need a, now I just need an apple pie right above it. I got to get a pie. I have to get a pie right above it. Hmm? Like an apple pie right above the top of it with like squiggly lines coming out. Like it's still hot, like you just took a, like you just took a pie out of the, out of the oven. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Because my mom, she she got me a pot. She made me a pot one time for my birthday instead of a cake. She was like, there's a pot. Which Mark? Mark, remember birthday pie? Remember birthday pie? Shut up, dipshit. <laughs>